Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. Welcome to the Coffee and Comics Podcast. I am your host, the caffeinated Clinton Robison. As you may or may not know, this is the podcast where I generally spend the length of a coffee break summarizing and reviewing a comic. But this episode, I am not alone. Returning to chat with me is that wonderful Brit who brings all the wit, Martin Gray. Martin, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I don't know if I can live up to that. I can live up to the Brit part, at least. Well, you know, a certain bit of British wit. We'll see how we go. I'm probably a villain. (laughs) Well, I suppose, you know, depending on which parts of pop culture you examine, the British usually are the ones casting the roles of the villain. (laughs) Because we're terrible people. (laughs) Well, I suppose everybody's got to have their own little fantasies i know i'll try and be good i'll, I'll try and be the the mirror universe person better <laughs> martin gray with a goatee <laughs> but not on my face <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry uh. <laughs> on the editor. oh me oh my Alrighty, so for this episode, Martin and I are going to be teaming up to look at Scooby-Doo Team-Up. The uh, digital editions are chapters 73 and 74, which I suppose makes the, um, gosh, the print issues are half of that. So somebody do math and figure out what that is. Probably uh, (laughs) like 36 or 37, something like that. Yeah, anyway. I'm yeah, I'm. Anyway, the story is called Nasty Tricks. Writer is Sholly Fish. Artist Dario Brazula. I'm sorry, folks. I can't say names at all. Colorist Franco Riesco. Letterer Saida Timofante. Cover artists were Dario Brizuela and Franco Riesco, and the editor is Christy Quinn. We should mispronounce Christy's name, just to be fair. <laughs> yeah, just, just intentionally, yes. It, it's Christy Harley. Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> she's lovely. She's on Twitter, and she's really lovely. Aw. Well, Miss Quinn, if you're listening, we do love you. Okay, so the synopsis for Nasty Tricks. Mystery Inc. has gone to Supergirl's home in Midvale. 
Kara needs their help and has no other option but to trust them with her secret identity. She explains that she's being haunted by the ghosts of everyone in Argo City. Suddenly, a spectral alien city appears around them, complete with the ghosts of Kara's family, friends, and her birth parents, glaring at her and demanding to know why she didn't save them. Shaggy and Scooby rush out of the living room and into the kitchen, but they head back when Fred reassures them that the ghosts have faded out again. Meanwhile, Velma is trying to empathize with Supergirl, but Cora says she's holding up fine. Streaky the cat spots Scooby-Doo, though, and he is not fine. A dog setting foot in his home? This will not stand. Streaky chases after Scooby as he is an earth cat that sometimes has powers, so he's actually flying. Streaky gets them from exposure to X-Kryptonite, and now Scooby has been exposed as well. The ghosts of Supergirl's birth parents appear again, and this time Zor-El is carrying a deceased car in his arms in a loving tribute to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Supergirl ponders how her father can be carrying her ghost when she's still alive. Come on, Kara. You're smarter than this. Velma points out that those ghosts keep calling her Supergirl instead of her Kryptonian name. And Kara agrees that it proves they're not real. Scooby and Kara both notice a high-frequency signal being broadcast. Supergirl lands from flying around, and Shaggy accidentally knocks something off of her cape's collar. Supergirl realizes it must be the device broadcasting the signal and projecting the ghost. It's also sending some kind of tracking beacon. Supergirl asks Daphne to hold on to the device as she follows the signal back to its origin and flies off. The true culprit reveals herself, Nastalia Nasty Luthor, who suspects Linda Danvers is Supergirl and has been trying to expose her for months. But because Daphne is holding her tracking device, Nasty believes Daphne is Supergirl. Daphne understandably denies it, but probably should have actually just said, yes, I'm Supergirl, but anyway. But Nasty will not be convinced. She tries to pull her red, quote-unquote, wig. But when it doesn't come off, she reasons Supergirl must wear a blonde wig. She whips out a gun and starts shooting, expecting Supergirl's secret identity will be exposed when bullets bounce off her. I guess she doesn't really care about murdering the rest of the innocents. The gang runs away while Streaky and Scooby, who still has his powers, shield them from the bullets. Supergirl comes out of her home wearing her Linda identity and recognizes her college schoolmate Nasty. As the gang keeps Nasty distracted, Linda leans over Streaky and Scooby and whispers a plan. Scooby takes off, scared in his natural fashion, when he hears that Nasty is Lex Luthor's niece. Nasty smirks at seeing him flying off and turns to Linda Danvers. She gets confused, though, when what seems to be Supergirl flies past the Danvers household. But in reality, it's the Supergirl cut out from the Midvale sign. Below on the ground, Nasty stammers that one of them has to be Supergirl. 
Velma, Fred, and Shaggy start floating as Scooby flies back to the yard, and they all declare they're Supergirl. Nasty freaks out and runs away. Linda thanks the group for helping her save her secret identity. As Nasty was rambling, Streaky gave each of the kids X-Kryptonite at super speed, so they gained temporary powers. But just then, the effects wear off and the group falls down. Streaky admits Scooby isn't quite so bad for a dog, and gets to put the X-Kryptonite away as Scooby admits Streaky isn't so bad for a cat. Daphne asks Linda if she's going to get rid of the X-Kryptonite. But no, Kara plans to keep an eye on it, and Streaky has earned his powers. Fred hopes Kara will be in peace from now on, but she still feels upset. She loves her Earth parents, but also misses her Kryptonian parents. Sometimes she feels like they're right behind her, looking over her shoulder. Unbeknownst to Kara, her parents are watching the scene from the survival zone, where they remain trapped, wondering if someday they'll be renamed be reunited with their daughter. And that is Nasty Tricks. So let's take a quick break and Martin and I will be back to discuss this. He has been challenged to read all the comics he has collected. This podcast will summarize, review, and reminisce about a single comic book issue and the time period somewhat chronologically by release date. He keeps a stack of comics near his bedside for when the time is right. Who is this interesting comic fan and what is the podcast? Hello, my name is Pat. I don't normally do podcasts about the comic books I read, but when I do, I podcast about them on The Longbox Crusade. Listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, or on theLongboxCrusade.com and check out the Facebook page. Read them all, my friends. All right, and we're back. So, uh, Martin, what did you think of this story? I just loved it a bit. I mean, Supergirl was one of the first comic characters I came across when I was reading all Silver Age issues that were passed on to me. And I was with her through, you know, all pretty much all the period when she was living in the orphanage and through the Bronze Age, became a, went to college, became a TV reporter. And I'm just so impressed. I mean, every issue I was impressed by Sholly Fish that he managed to be pitch perfect, whether he was doing just Scooby meeting another Hanna-Barbara character or Scooby in the DC universe. He always made it just perfect and in, in this example he's you know he's because scooby-doo t- was teaming up with people like mama cass and batman and robin in what very early 70s he's got Kara in that period when she was at college and when nasty was in her life and it's just wonderful just to revisit that period really really enjoyed it what did you think i thought this was lovely i mean the entire scooby-doo team-up series is wonderful but just seeing Supergirl get to actually interact with them more than just as um, mm. as basically you know the swoop in and save the day that she was very early in the series. I mean, th- this was great, and bringing Nasty Luther into it, you know, in an era <laughs> when everybody's more focused on Lena, this was definitely a treat. Absolutely, because I, th- I think the last time DC had referenced Nasty Luther was in, was it All-Star Superman? There was a version of her in there. But I think apart from that, I don't think she had appeared since she was segued out of a, the Adventure Comics cover series in about 1972-73 or something like that. I mean, the only problem with, her, with the whole comic was they pretty much gave away, like it's clever, but they pretty much gave away who the villain was in the title of the issue. <laughs> See, I actually, I mean... Yeah, thinking about it, I, that really does give it away. But 
I wasn't expecting nasty. In fact, to be honest, I hadn't thought of nasty in so long that I was kind of convinced I had sort of just made her up in my head. Like, oh, you know, maybe there was a character called that. Maybe there wasn't. <laughs> I know she was. I, I, I love. I just. I just think it was such a waste of a character. DC didn't use them. Okay, she was just. You know, I don't know how she managed to exist because Lex Luthor hadn't got another sister apart from Lena Thorold, but. In the letters column, I think they just suddenly said he had a sister who had gone to Europe with a married account or something like that, which I think Lana Lang also did. But uh, <laughs> I, do, I, yeah, I would love to have seen more of Nasty. But anyway, she got one last hurrah on that issue with Scooby. It was brilliant. Yeah. And she's kind of the Veronica to Kara's uh, Betty. Well, yeah, I mean, that's perfect because it's like, obviously, you know, they could have, they could have gone for the animated Kara the carry in Z version, which would have been just totally wrong. But they went, you know, they went for a version based on the Jim Mooney, the Jim Mooney series, and pretty much have drawn her like an Archie character with the big, with the snub nose and the, the big thick eyelashes. And obviously, you know, like you say, nasty perfectly hits the Veronica role of Supergirl's Betty. And plus, I'm just so happy that they actually said Linda Lee. It's been yeah, so long yeah. since I've heard Linda Lee. I know I cannot get get behind it. I mean, I enjoy the Supergirl TV series. It's a different thing, but I just wish it hadn't dripped into the comic that they suddenly call her alter ego, Cara Danvers. It's like, oh, so you're called Cara, and Supergirl's real name is Cara. Hmm. Just, it's, it's Linda. It's Linda Lee, Linda Danvers, Linda Lee Danvers. You know, that sound like a hillbilly or a <laughs> presidential assassin. But... Uh, they always have three names, don't they? Anyway, but yes, Linda Lee, that's where it's at. We've so. pretty much said it, but you know, everybody is written spot on in this. The Scooby Gang, Sholly has their voices down from issue one. So, you know, here we are, chapter 73, 74 in. You know, if he hasn't figured it out by now, he's never going to, but he didn't have a problem with it from issue one. So, why would he have a problem with it now? Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's just got such a good hand. And I love the fact he's got some, gets some continuity in there. For example, you know, you have, have you read the issue where they meet Hong Kong Fui, number one super guy? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. That is so good. Yeah. Remember Daphne, Daphne reads the Hong Kong Fu, the Hong Kong book of Kung Fu, learns karate and what have you. And from then on in the series, occasionally the reference back that have Daphne doing the karate, which was just wonderful. And the fact he has Velma just being so sharp without being irritating and falling back on the dropping the grasses all the time. I mean, just wonderful. Really, really good. And did you enjoy the Spartacus moment? Oh, yes. Especially since Nasty's confused that Fred and Shaggy might be Supergirl. <laughs> yeah, and, and Scooby. I'm <laughs> Spartacus. Mm. Sorry, Supergirl. Girl, oh, I can't keep this straight. And I, I've absolutely loved it. Where you know, when they're saying to Supergirl, when the ghost appeared early on, you know, or, or you, you know, must be horrible, or you're scared, whatever. And she's like, No, but I'm fine because I've got, I've got my parents to Danvers, and I've got Streaky the Supercat. It's like, even though her other parents appear in the story, it's never the, you know, you don't get that horrible silver age business of they're just my foster parents. These are my real parents. It's like, you know, they're both her parents. <laughs> Man, what do comics have against adoptive parents? I don't know. It's it's, a, it's just one step down from Wicked Stepmother. It's like, oh, if only I could go back to my real parents. But it's like, the dad, the Danvers were just always fantastic. You know, I was quite sad in a way that when Peter David did his Supergirl series and had the Danvers in there, that it was Fred, you know, instead of being Fred and Ed, and it was Fred and Sylvia. 
random trains, just why not Fred and Edna? You could even do that modern thing with power couples, Fred and mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's kind of like whenever some writers want to just have that that one moment with Superman, you know, and Clark realizes he's not just adopted, but he's from another world, and he just lashes out. and It's like, this is not Clark. This no, is no. You know, Clark would fall back on the Kents. Yeah, he's raised on Earth. He's you know he's he's absolutely fine. But did you enjoy the thing that I did enjoy the optimistic ending with the uh, with her, her Kryptonian parents? Oh, very much so, very yeah. much so. I love that they went with the survival zone because oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, that, that's so good. It's so so much better than the infinite Zorel depression from recent years. Oh gosh, yeah, so depressing Zorel as cyborg Superman. I just, I mean, I mean, what it was so unique—the fact that you know, Supergirl in the in the, in the silver and bronze age had two sets of parents. I mean, it was, I, I don't know. I mean, Anne from Supergirl comic box commentary could probably put me right here, but I, I don't remember any any particular sea story in which the the Dan the Danvers. I know, I know the Dan the Danvers and Zorel Louvre. I think they did meet up once or twice, but spend any real time together. And that would have been such a wonderful thing to see. You know, it's actually two sets of parents, you know, both wonderful, both loving her. Absolutely great. And plus, you know, that, that way she gets to bridge the gap between being Kryptonian and being on Earth. Yeah. It's just perfect. One, one set of parents in Kandor and then on the planet Rockin' and one set of parents on Earth. Nobody died. Lovely. <laughs> So what did you think about Streaky in this one? Well, as an owner of two bonkers cats, I absolutely love Streaky. I mean, oh, I mean, if I've been picky, you know, Streak, Streaky's, uh, I think he's got the blue cape he has on TV rather than the comic book red, but I, I can go with that because Supergirl's skirt was always changing colour. But, uh, you know, Streaky, whether whether it's Streaky's being a boy that week or a girl that week, always quite wonderful. And just the fact that, you know, Sholly Fish was was able to play him into such a great TV cartoon cat-type characterization, chase, chasing after Scooby-Doo. Absolutely loved it to bits. Really, really good. Oh, oh there's a cat there, letting my big fat cat Emmy out of the room. <laughs> and what did you think about the ex-Kryptonite? <laughs> oh, I love, I love the... the the fact that they had that joke in there about, you know, where Supergirl saying it's X kryptonite, letter X, as in mystery kryptonite. Uh, and I think I think it's Velma or Shaggy or someone goes, X kryptonite, so you, I think it's Shaggy, so it used to be kryptonite. And you go, no, X kryptonite. But I I think that's fantastic. I don't remember exactly in the comic of it given all the human superpowers, but I'm sure, you know, it's logical. It probably happened. And it's logical that it could have happened. And it makes for such wonderful scenes in the story. How about you? Uh, I'm like you. I don't remember exactly what X Kryptonite was supposed to have done, because you know, unfortunately I'm not the Kryptonite encyclopedia. But <laughs> it's a whole lot better than just randomly putting Red Kryptonite in there and having a oh, very yeah. mad cat. So I mean, it, it certainly it certainly existed through, through Kara's early stories, and you know, in that little ball of yarn down in, in the basement or wherever. Streaky would get the powers from time to time. So that's again, that's just spot on. Really, really good. I'm just waiting for, for them to include Beppo at some point. I'm trying to think. I think what I'm trying to think. Was it a super, a super pet team up in there? I'm sure. 
I said, I think, did Beppo appear? I don't know. I don't know. That could be the subject for a future show and a future guest. Do some, get Beppo onto the show. <laughs> <laughs> but again, just the, the, the old continuity, the fact that, you know, Solly had, did, had a reference in there, you know, back to Carol's attempts to find a cure for, a cure for the green kryptonite poisoning, which is how the ex-kryptonite came to be made in, in the, in the original comics. It was just, Absolutely wonderful. Just all for a Sholly Fish Supergirl series set in any continuity at all. Oh. And did you did you read Sholly Fish's stories in the back of New 52 Action Comics? No. Oh, if you don't know about them. During the, the early the early issues, I think starting about issue five or seven of Grant Morrison Action Comics, there was just a handful of stories by Sholly Fish backups. Grant actually asked for Sholly to be taken on and uh, doing things like you know one's one's focusing on Clark Kent's last day in Smallville with Pete and Lana and another's looking at the the life of Jonathan and Martha Kent before Clark came along and how they yearned for a baby and they're just absolutely pitch perfect emotional heartfelt little gems honestly see if I, I as being in America you probably have access to this DC online that we can't get abroad but if you have access to that you can find the comics or you can just find the stories anywhere seek them out it, it's Surely Fish should be writing something regularly, but obviously he's far too busy with his Scooby-Doo and his television work, I think, to be doing it. Such a shame. Well, for me. Man, I might have to check those out. I didn't know he had actually done, done backups. That sounds so cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I've got, I've got them did digitally, so you know, I'm sure I wouldn't be breaking any international law by sending you the odd story via, via the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's really, really good. And of course, the art is just top notch for the Scooby book. This is, I mean, I, I think it's the same art team that's been on it since the beginning. Yeah, there's, I mean, there was a couple of issues by I've seen by other artists, but again, it's absolutely you know perfect for the house style. And, and you know, even when there's not like an established animated version of the DC characters, they always get them absolutely one you know wonderful spot on. I just I'm just so sad this series has come to an end. Yeah, I mean, this, honestly, this was uh, arguably one of the best DC books out. Probably, I don't know if it really could have been out of anybody's top ten, if not top five books while it was out. But oh, I mean, yeah, the, the consistency was just remarkable. Every single issue was a, one, a wonderful read. And just, again, you know, Sholly and Dario and, you know, the, the, you know, the colorist, the say Saida and Franco, whatever. Absolutely brilliant. Some fantastic talent landing by Christy Quinn and team and just total, total gems. I think the comic wasn't publicised enough when it was out there. But hopefully, you know, now that it's, you know, digital issues are available for free, you know, more and more people will see it and perhaps one day demand the occasional special. Mm-hmm. I keep trying to think of something, you know, I'm on the more negative side to say about this issue, but I really can't. It's, I mean, unless you just have something against some sort of, uh, you know, all ages friendly fair. Yeah, if you hate fun. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, just, it's, a, it's a dynamic, amusing mystery. You know, if everything you need to know is there, whether you whether you know Supergirl or not, whether, you know, obviously every, everyone knows Scooby-Doo, but, it, you know, he said, you know, here's a little concept, here's another little concept, this is how it works, here's some amusing dialogue, here's some action, adventure, 
we've got a mystery to be solved and it's solved spectacularly. There's just, I don't, I can't imagine. I would love to hear if there's a single listener who's ever read an issue of Scooby-Doo team up and not enjoyed it. I would love to, you know, I wouldn't love to hear it because it's a shame if someone hasn't enjoyed something, but it would be interesting. I think that's not going to happen. I mean, I'll, I'll admit there were some issues that I enjoyed less than others, but as far as one that I have not enjoyed, that, no. I, <laughs> I've enjoyed every single issue I've read of the series. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if it's someone I don't know, like Motormouth and Autocat, I can't remember whether they were in there, but, you know, it's like, it's always just such good fun. I, I really, really should just re- read more of the regular Scooby-Doo monthly issues. I'm just, I don't get why the movies and the cartoon and the TV, while they keep reinventing Scooby-Doo as a, you know, as, as a, to- a, a, you know, a toddler or, you know, more mystery or more more serious or whatever, you know, I did, I tried a few issues with Scooby Apocalypse from DC and quite enjoyed what it was but what it was wasn't scooby-doo it's not a wheel that needs reinventing right i mean you go you go to a scooby story with a certain expectation you expect there to be zoinks and jinkies and rut rows and scooby snacks and some old rich guy trying to get richer by screwing over a bunch of people who really don't have any money to begin with by trying to steal their land (laughs) Yeah, it's just absolutely, yeah, that's all, that's all you need, you know. I I don't know. I said, you know, the only thing that was in the comment I did a double take was, you know, that Nasty, Nasty didn't, couldn't see uh, Super Scooby and Streaky the Supercat fly in that cardboard camera. But, uh, you know, it made for such a fun ending and then just to, to send Nasty absolutely bonkers, you know, ah, Lex, Uncle Lex, Uncle Lex. <laughs> When she's screaming Did Uncle I... Lex, all I can think is yeah. uh, John Cryer and Superman 4. Oh, gosh, yeah. Did I imagine, was there ever a story in which Supergirl pulled off Nasty's hair and turned out Nasty was bored? Or have I imagined that? Is that just because that would be such an obvious, perfect thing to be first to happen for Nasty to be bored? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you can pick it, can't you? Wow. Whether it happened or not. Anybody who's a nasty Luther scholar out there, let us know because I, I want this to be real. I really want this to <laughs> yeah. be real. Yeah, well, I've got all the stories on you know, either digitally or in print. So I could could be it could be some research, but uh, yeah, just bring could we start a campaign? Bring back nasty. Give give her a team up with Scooby Doo. <laughs> oh. Well, I think we have talked up this issue about as much as we can, other than just to, you know, keep piling on. But in short, it is definitely a must-read. Everybody needs to just hop on the app, hop on Comixology, where wherever you can find comics, wherever you're at. Look up this issue, grab it, read it. You will not be disappointed. I, I agree. It's a, it's a wonderful Scooby story. It's a wonderful Supergirl story. I, it'll just make you smile, beginning to end. Oh, well, Martin, I do appreciate you joining me for this discussion. Uh, where can everybody find you online if they want to hear more from you? Uh, well, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, at Mart Gray, or I've got a blog, Too Dangerous for a Girl, and again, that's an ironic title based on an old Legion of Superheroes panel, uh, which I review comics and talk comics and, you know, 
if anybody wants to pop along there's lots of scooby-doo reviews on there along with other things but uh just generally i'm around i'll you know see you in the funny pages as they say <laughs> well, right. although not that columns well, I highly encourage everybody to go over and check out Too Dangerous for a Girl because those are some of the best reviews you can read online. But fair warning, there are spoilers. There are. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So thank you once again, Martin, for joining me. I will take another quick break and be back with some listener feedback. I know it's heartbreaking to have your favorite shows preempted, but look what you're getting instead. KLU Cast brings you Justice League Season 2. Back in business. The Justice League faces their greatest foe. This is a chance to rid ourselves of the League once and for all. Darkseid. Brainiac. Dr. Destiny. Lex Luthor. Amazo. Vandal Savage. Eclipso. The Joker. Harley Quinn. The Royal Flush Gang. The Secret Society of Supervillains. And themselves? Dale Ucast Season 2, available on iTunes and Apple Podcasts and at firewaterpodcast.com. Always have to be the hero, don't you? Right back at you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is, of course, the feedback portion of the show where I like to give a little acknowledgement to everybody that liked, shared, responded, all those fun things. And last episode, which was covering Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 21, with my guest Gregor Ruggio, got Twitter likes and retweets from Backcracker, Billy Delicious, Dark Side Is Comics, Blackheart Manor, Avi Green, Bill at Spy Vinyl, Delvin Williams, Comics 42, Longbox Crusade, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, Huerl Thornton Jr. Sorry if I said that wrong. Steve 4132, Greg Arujo, Green Lantern HG, Chris Tados, Vader Time, Lucan D4 on the floor, Secret Wars and Beyond, Chris Lydon, Comics in the Golden Age, Bob Rowland's Record of the Day, Tim Price, The Hammer Strikes, Dave's Comic Heroes Blog, Ruben Artega, or is that Arteaga? Uh, whatever. PC De La Cruz, Baby Skeletor, Ryan Daly, Jose Enrique Nassim, Justin Steiner, and Omalok. On Facebook, we got likes and shares from Gene Hendricks, Eric Best, Bill Beer, Rick Heineken, Ivan Chudley, Hal Jordan, Nicholas Prom, Al Sadano, and Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Over on Twitter, Steve4132 said, My favorite Spidey villain. Hoping he shows up on the big screen soon. For those of you that didn't listen to the last episode, the favorite villain is the Scorpion. And of course, he's probably my favorite villain as well. And yes, I would really love to see him on the big screen. On Facebook, Hal Jordan says, Great episode! Spidey is dear to my heart. My dad started reading Spider-Man to me because I didn't like to read it. And after a while, he just asked, You want to know what happens next? Start reading. And he just tossed me the comic. 
and it's because of him that I love comics. I lost him earlier this year, but his lessons are burned in my heart. Well, my condolences to you. And, I mean, that that's a really great story of how you learn to read, though. And uh, Green Lantern HG responded on Twitter as well, saying, Great episode! Yes, I bother you on Twitter, too. It got me thinking about web shooters, and is organic webbing stronger than Peter's formula? I'm asking because I really don't know. Well, I would assume in the long run they both typically have about the same, you know, relative strength of spider webbing, kind of like proportionate strength, etc., etc. But, you know, I'm no expert. But oh well. That is it for our feedback. I thank everybody for doing everything they can to promote the show, for writing in, interacting with us just a little bit. So, I will close it up here, and until next time, this is the place where the coffee is never too cold and the comics are never too old. Or is it the other way around? I really don't know anymore, and that's okay. Talk to you next time. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg.